0: I wanna be very human with us today in the sense of, of where we go. I'm gonna read you a story and please don't, um, please don't be insulted by reading to you. I, I just wanna get this um, to you in a, in, a, in a real concise, exact form. I wanna use this as kind of an introduction to where I wanna to go today. It's a story. So let me just read it right quickly. On September 14, 1964, the freight liner Al Kuwait capsized in the harbor of Kuwait City. And an estimated one million ships have sunk in the world's waters. But this one created a unique problem because its cargo consisted of 6,000 sheep. And the freighter went down near the city's desalinization plant. Biological toxins from decomposing sheep threatened the city's only source of potable drinking water, and the clock was ticking. This is a problem. How many of you have ever had a problem? Wow. The Danish company that insured the Isle of Kuwait gave a Danish engineer Karl Kroer, Kroyer, the seemingly impossible task of raising the sunken ship without spilling its cargo. How do you raise a 27-ton freighter that is listing at 87 degrees on the floor of the Persian Gulf? How many would like to have that responsibility? The nearest floating crane was in Sydney, Australia, so that option was out. Once again, the old English proverb proved true, necessity is the mother of invention. How the solution was arrived is a subject of debate. Who gets the credit? They do not know. But it came from some kind, some believe it came from an idea which I don't know. In 1949, Donald Duck comic book somehow talked about pushing ping pong balls in a boat and floated it. Whether it came from that or not, precisely, but that's exactly what Carl Croyer did on the last day of December, 1964. The hull of the Alkawait was filled with 27 million plastic balls weighing 65 tons, and just like Donald Duck's yacht, it floated to the surface. The cost of saving the ship was $345,000, not a bad return on investment for an insurance company that it would have paid out the full 2 million for the policy. And Carl Croyer walked away with a $186,000 payday. I think it was worth every bit of it, don't you? There are times when you and I have no control over anything that happens in our lives. Sometimes unknowingly, we actually invest in it and we don't realize that some of what we have done, we're going to reap. How many of you know that good or bad, we sow good, we reap good, we sow bad, we we reap bad, and that's why we need wisdom. And this book that we teach every week and we read from is not just philosophical words. It's not just even religious words. It is life that teaches us how to live life. And it's important that we, in a sense, take it beyond the supernatural and the spiritual and make it literally livable in our living. That's what discipleship's about. That's what we're gonna be doing starting Wednesday night, putting the Word of God so that it not only a head knowledge of it, but it gets in our heart and it works through our living. Ladies and gentlemen, if you do not have a biblical worldview, if you do not live your life according to the dictates and the principles and the statutes and the commandments of this book, I will tell you there are wrecks on the highway that you will not because you cannot avoid. In every situation that comes to our lives, if we'll appropriate that to the word of God, God has an answer for it. So it becomes practical the human being is a masterpiece creation. We are triune creatures body, soul, and spirit. A major part of our soul is our mind, our will, our emotions, our affections. They are powerful. We are designed by God through the Spirit of God in our spirit to control our emotions, our mind, our will, and our directions because God wants to use them to be positive in our lives. Scriptures let us experience other people's lives as they make decisions and they make their choices and they deal with the drama that comes in their lives and then all the emotions that stir Unfortunately, I believe we're in a society today that teaches us to follow our emotions. And I will tell you this, if you follow emotions that are not twice born and disciplined through discipleship, through the Word of God, you are in for a life that is going to be a roller coaster ride. Such is the case for so many millions of people. I, I, I never cease to be amazed at how we get into situations and then do not apply God's Word to how we live and how we handle problems that come to our lives. So I wanna be practical today. We come in creation not only with our emotions and a soul and our spirit, we also come with a purpose. I wanna to declare to you whether you're listening online or in this sanctuary, You are here by God's design, and also by God's design, there is a purpose for your life. There is a plan, a God-given plan for your living, and a desire in you that God placed there to accomplish something. We want to have God put it in us. We have this desire to be relevant so that we can accomplish something. Those that have no purpose have no direction. Those that have no purpose find life difficult. Along with a vision for our lives, we also, hear me, young people, that's a reason for education. It's a reason for studying the Bible. It is a reason for teaching of parents and grandparents. We must develop leadership in our lives. Like it or not, we must learn leadership of self. Say amen. We must learn self-discipline. I get so frustrated at parents. They say, well, I'm just going to let my child believe what they decide they want to believe. And I go, do you make them bathe or brush their teeth? I want to teach my child the eternal word of God, not some vain philosophy of man's dreamings. I'm duty bound to see that there is something there besides what they want. You know what that is? You know what, I'm, I'm already in trouble. I realize I'm in trouble. You know what that is? That's a dereliction of your duty. As a parent and a grandparent, you're going to let your child decide what they're going to be. The scripture says you train that child in the way that they should go. It's your job to get on your knees and say, God, what have you put in this son and in this daughter and these grandkids? What do you want them to do? Help me to help them find the purpose in their life. And then the discipline. Discipline. But today we have parents who just don't want a discipline and just let kids have their way. I got news for you. Parents are supposed to be in charge of the family. Not the other way around. And I love children. I love teenagers. But they're not to boss till they're responsible. And you're supposed to teach them how to be responsible so they can boss the right way. Totally not on my notes, amen? Verse two, (laughs) you have to learn leadership of self. If we don't have disciplines and we don't have leadership of self, we can't stay on target. And life's like that liner. It can sink or it can drift no matter where. As believers in Almighty God and a desire to be in His will, eventually we must move I'm going to talk about my title this morning. We must move from a vision that God gives us to a reality called action. I got news for you. When you get saved from that point on, God doesn't reach around with a hand of omnipotence, pry our mouth open and pour all the stuff in us that we need to live a life. It has to be done by our will and his love. God never forces anything. He stands as a gentleman in the shadows of your life offering you everything that you'll need to do life beyond what you could imagine. <laughs> I, don't know, I do not know what the Holy Spirit has in mind for you this morning because I do not know your situation. But I do know that I'm duty bound this morning to cover this territory because I believe there are people wrestling with things in their lives in this sanctuary and online and many others that will hear this in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in whatever, in the church, but for us, discipleship, ladies and gentlemen, is needed. The w- teaching of the Word of God and living it and applying it is imperative. Amen. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, The Word is imperative. In the Old Testament, we meet a guy, a marvelous man. Nehemiah is a true example of a faithful believer a man who was filled with God's purpose for his life. Nehemiah had responsibilities. Travel with me a minute with him. He was a human being. He had emotions. He had things that went against him. Life just like you and I have. Good times, bad times, he hit it with the human perspective, but he also had God's perspective. Nehemiah one day became saddened. He viewed a fallen society, a society that had fallen from great heights. Nehemiah's hometown, back over in Israel, his city, his country, Jerusalem, laid in ruins. Jeremiah's burden was because Jerusalem's gates were charred, having been burned with fire, and now they sat rotting. And Israel's people were captives in Babylon. Israel's people yearned to be back home. They had backslidden and were in slavery under the king of Persia and his power. I want to declare to you, ladies and gentlemen, whether it's an individual, a family, or a nation, sin always brings bondage. When it's finished, it always ends in bondage. However, something is stirring in some people's lives captive in Babylon, these Jewish leaders. Some of these Jewish people begin to have a burden, so they begin to pray. Now, after many years, Zerubbabel has led the way to go back to Jerusalem with some of the people and rebuild the temple. You have to understand, they came in and totally destroyed Israel. They're in bondage. Now the leadership of the nation says, I'll let you go back and build a temple. Then Ezra had a burden, led the way back to Israel to restore worship. Watch what's important. The temple, the worship, and now our guide today, Nehemiah, feels led of the spirit to restore Jerusalem's walls to protect the city. And Nehemiah began to pray. And he had a burden, which is a deep-felt emotion. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 3 through 6. I'm sorry, chapter 2, verse 3 through 6. It came to pass in the month of Nisan that the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence before. Therefore the king said to me, why is your face sad since you were not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. Then I became dreadfully afraid. You have to understand that in this day, the king could simply make a motion with his hand and your life would be destroyed. This was a tremendous respect for and demanded authority. It said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city and the place of my father's tombs lie waste and its gates are burned with fire? Then the king said to me, What do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servants found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. So the king said to me and the queen sitting beside him also how long will your journey be and when will you return so it pleased the king to send me and I sent set him a time I'm going to pick that up a little bit later this seems like just a scene that may be average but I want to tell you the pressures and the dynamics in this particular portion of Nehemiah's life are great because he prayed God put a burden on him for four months, Nehemiah prayed, and a, this, this weightiness inside his spirit turned into a vision. He had a purpose that God wanted him to accomplish. Young people, mom and dad, God wants to use your life, but you must bur- have a burden and a vision, but you also must take it to an action. Nehemiah had become cupbearer of the king, which was a major position. As a cupbearer, he was faithful. That simply means he was a really good employee. I believe the best employee on the place where you work should be you as a believer. I think you ought to be on time. I think you ought to do above and beyond what's required. And God has a principle about that, that he is the one who gives promotion. Understand this, if you will live according to the word of God in action, not just visual part, I believe God will reward you. As a matter of fact, the scripture says that reward and and blessing come from God. If you'll understand this, you don't really work for your boss, you really work for God. And you turn in the right ingredients, God God literally has obligated himself to bless you beyond what you think your boss and your place may be. Wow. Here he was in this powerful position. Two things I want to say about that. First, the burden and the vision came through prayer. Secondly, prayer did move to an action. This situation came to a head, if you will, right here in front of this king. For four months, Nehemiah prayed, but there was a relationship with God that grew deeper. Folks, behind all that we have done as Christians and behind all that we will ever do, when we take our last breath, when I take my last breath, and when I stand before the God of all creation, I want to have affected the lives of other people for eternity. It comes from a relationship with God. Seven benefits. I'm going to touch them right quickly. Martin, eat your heart out. I got seven points instead of three. First of all, number one, through prayer, godly direction, the burden was given. And and then through prayer, God can bring it to life. Let's look at verse one again. I took the wine, gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence before I'm not sure. As a matter of fact, if I were to guess, I would guess that I would, I would know because I believe he's a man of character. I don't think Nehemiah walked in front of the king on purposely to try to manipulate him with a sad look. I think it came from a heart. He has a burden. But he, he, this is an opportunity. Look at it. Godly direction. God working here. And suddenly this Transpire. Secondly, through prayer, God changed Nehemiah's heart. Look at verse 2. Therefore the king said to me, why is thy face sad? Since you are not sick, this is nothing but sorrow of heart. And I want you to notice something. Nehemiah was chosen by the king because of his attitude. Nehemiah was a joyful man. He was a pleasant man. Nehemiah was known to have a positive attitude. He was not moody. Oh, I'd like to just like stop there and meddle for a while. One of the things I've learned to love about people who are a little older and those that are disciplined and those that have lived in life long enough to, to learn a lot of things is one of the things I so appreciate, appreciate about lives is the consistency and the fact that no matter when I see them, where I see them, no matter the circumstance, they have a consistency, and I don't have to step around their feelings all the time. I think we ought to just sit there a moment. Do you like wondering what kind of atmosphere is going to be in your house or at the office or anywhere? Aren't you glad that God's the same yesterday, today, and forever? With him, there's no variance, not even shadow of turning. It is so amazing to know that God will in no wise cast me out. God's not going to hold me to some kind of, of, of human mood when I approach him. I can approach with great confidence. But here he is, well thought of the, of the king, known to be a great attitude, and the king notices. Thirdly, God did not remove all the fear of Nehemiah's life. Listen carefully. Verse 2, the last portion. Then I became dreadfully afraid. It is true that we preach do not have fear because we don't want Satan to use that emotion against us and that's where most of the battle is. But there is a healthy fear. There is a reverential awe, and when we come to a burden, it is because God wants to use us for a purpose. And ladies and gentlemen, the situation may be fearful just because we do not know how it will turn out. But how many of us absolutely have learned that regardless of the circumstance, situation, we must unconditionally trust God? Let me tell you, if you do not trust God and you're always questioning whether God knows what he's doing, you will live in total misery all the time. Second guess everything about your life. Why don't we just get it understood? God knows what he's doing. He has a much bigger picture than we can ever imagine. We may not like it. It may not be according to us, but I want to tell you, God works his plan. And one of the things I think we're going to see when we get to the glory world is we're going to look back and say, oh, Lord, why did I ever question God? Why did I ever doubt Lord? Why would I do that? And the gracious God's going to say, I led you along step at a time. Unconditional trust, unconditional love. Not all the fear was gone. Thirdly, uh, let me stop a minute. Some tragedies do come. And some tragedies, Satan tries to use our emotion again to make us fear. But I want to tell you something. There is such thing as a godly fear that God uses also to direct us. I believe God has spared my life sometime because I have a check in my spirit. The key is not what happens. The key is how we react. We are promised. God's power to overcome anything Satan brings to our lives. That's why it's important that the Scripture says, guard your heart above all things, for out of it are all the issues of life. Ladies and gentlemen, nothing takes God by surprise. Amen? Nothing. Nothing. All in God's plan. Let us Experience fear, but let us not give in to what Satan would have us do with it. Sometimes there's a godly fear that will lead us. Number four, through prayer, God gives boldness in the honest relationships with each other. And by the way, we should be honest in our relationships with each other. I'm going to pick that a minute. We should be honest in our relationships with each other, especially in marriage. If you keep secrets from your spouse, you're headed for trouble. I don't care who you are. Well, pastor, I just said, no, there's no, listen to this. Verse three. I became afraid, he said, and, and said to the king, may the king live forever. There's the fear, there's the respect. Why should my face not be sad? Watch this. He, he had this, this great boldness. I he said, what did I request? Should my face not be sad when the city and the place of my father's tombs lies waste and its gates are burned with fire? Wow, to be able to say that in the presence of the king took some boldness. Young people, mom and dad, crisis do not necessarily make us crisis can wreck us but hopefully if we trust god we can always learn from it but i want to declare to you crisis does simply reveal what you have been becoming all along it shows what you have been becoming for a long time your reaction. Nehemiah didn't know how the king would respond. He did know that the king was gracious. He had developed a relationship with him. And Nehemiah spoke to the king, watch this, use wisdom in the right way at the right time with the right words because he had been with God in prayer. Number five, through prayer, God worked in private and in public. Look at verse four. Why do you request this? Look at this. I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, if it pleases your king, if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Wow. Public and private. Through prayer, God worked In privacy with Nehemiah and through prayer, God worked in public with the king. Suddenly, Nehemiah on the spot prayed. I want to read it again. The king said to me, what do you request? (laughs) Watch this. Feel the intensity of this moment. So I prayed to the God of heaven. Listen, that's a great place to go when you're in need. This is what I call an on-the-spot prayer. There's an urgency. What do you need? Boy, and he said, I prayed to the God of heaven. And suddenly, Nehemiah prayed this on-the-spot prayer, and he said, Lord, help me. Saints, I want you to know something. God hears on-the-spot prayers in public if he has heard consistent prayer in private. Don't you use God as a glorified Santa Claus as an emergency. Oh, Lord, help me. Oh, Lord, help me. The book of Nehemiah says he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. As a matter of fact, eight times you read through Nehemiah's uh, Nehemiah's letter that he prayed eight times quick on-the-spot prayers. The lesson is this. When sudden situations arrive... In sudden situation times, you can call out without fear and without question to somebody you know. Amen. Amen. Number six, through prayer, God moved Nehemiah from vision to action. Look at verse five. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. He immediately went to action. God had placed it in his heart. And when time was right, out of Nehemiah's inner being, without apology, send me to Jerusalem. I want to rebuild the wall of my home. And seventhly, lastly, look at this. Through prayer, God had led him to have a plan. I want to read these verses beginning with six. Watch this. He didn't just come without a plan. So the king said to me, the queen sitting there beside him, how long will your journey be? When will you return? So it pleased the king to send me. I set him a time. Furthermore, don't miss that word. I said to the king, ladies and gentlemen, I believe when God gives us a vision, And when we step out in faith to make that active and live this out in a practical way, I think there will be a furthermore. I believe God will give us wisdom. Well, I'm not sure, King. I have this plan, but, you know, if it's okay with you and all that. Listen, because of prayer, there was a confidence. Therefore, I said to the King, if it pleases the King, watch this. Let letters be given to me for the governor's. Of the region beyond the river that they may permit me to pass through till I come to Judah. Those people would have killed him had he not had permission from the king. Those are God revelations. Those are knowledge things. This man is dealing with the circumstance in a wise way. Sometimes our zeal gets beyond our wisdom. But time and prayer with God will take care of that. That's not the only thing. Watch this. I I need, I need safe passage. Verse eight, and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me timber to which pertains to the temple for the city wall and for the house that I will occupy. I want safe passage and I want you to provide all the provision Watch this. This is Babylon. I want you to give me from your riches and from your sources that I can take it to God's land. Watch this. This man could move his hand and take his life with authority, but because he's prayed, because he'd spent time with God, he said, what would you have me do? And he said, I want safe passage. I want you to provide all of the, and the Watch this last verse. The king granted to him according to the good hand of my God upon me. Wow. How many of you want somebody to provide for you according to the good hand of God upon you? But notice, if you do a study, you're gonna find something here that's important. In the previous generation, Don't miss this. In the previous generation, someone had become queen. Someone had followed God. Someone had gained favor in high places in the Babylonian Empire. You'll find that this previous generation in it was a lady by the name of Esther. Esther was a relative of Nehemiah. Ladies and gentlemen, young people, but especially those of us who are parents and grandparents, never underestimate, even young people, do not ever underestimate the influence you have upon your friends and future generations. I am privileged sometime to to get some of those little interest payments. What I mean by that is, I think I said it here a while back, I was praying a long time ago in a a church service for ministers, and we had been in the altar about 45 minutes or an hour, about two or three, 400 ministers, something like that, just praying in a large church in the altars. And I had an arm come put around my shoulders and I kind of glanced over and this young man started praying for me. I thought, well, that's nice. And he prayed a prayer. And he said, thank you for this man. And he went on, and I, I don't know how long he prayed, but he said, Pastor Brooks. And I looked back at him, and he said, you don't know who I am, do you? And it had probably been 12, 15 years. I said, I do not. And he said, I am, and he called his name. And he was now about 28, 30 years old an ordained seminary of God minister. He was pastor of a large youth group. And my first year in ministry, I led him to the Lord. And I hadn't seen him in all those years. It's one of those, one of those drops of honey from the heavenly world that drops in you to say, you know what, this is worth it. If you never get one of those little down payment interests, ladies and gentlemen, boy, let me tell you, those things are awesome. Don't forget the influence that you have in your life. Nehemiah left. He was actually gone 12 years. God had turned the heart of the king, and in his plan of action, Nehemiah from the Lord requested letters of passage. He requested the letter for provision, he was given it. But I want you to notice, he used his mind. I love what R.A. Torrey said, I think, or uh, the other guy, what's it? Uh, He said, when you get saved, don't forget your mind. You're going to need it. I believe God gives us mental faculties ordained of God. Do you know that this man Nehemiah even knew the name of the guy who ran the forests? His name was Asaph. Asaph. The king granted them according to the goodness of my God's hand upon me. Nehemiah expressed his blessings were from God. God gave him the victory, and Nehemiah gave God the glory. Young people, mom and dad, We are privileged and honored, and it's an awesome thing when God uses your life to affect the lives of somebody else. Here are the lessons. If you wanna know, they're parallel and I'll be through. If you took one through seven, here's one through seven. Here's the lessons. Join God's will through prayer. That's how to find it, through prayer and the word. Secondly, learn to become a leader of yourself. When my dad put me on an old hot 100 degrees in the shade, by the way, with no cab on tractors, which they never had when I was a kid, he put me on a green John Deere with a black seat, and I'm telling you, you sit on that thing, it put heat goosebumps all over you. And that sun would baked the top of my head. <laughs> I've ran cattle in it, it and done everything. I didn't like it. Sometime I got angry. But I want to tell you something. It taught me a great deal about myself. Learn to be the leader of yourself. Build wise relationships. Nehemiah had been loyal and faithful. A man of discipline. Get up and go to work when he didn't want to. Being nice when he didn't feel like it. Doing something for somebody else when he'd rather probably do something for himself. A sincere life of service presented Nehemiah well to the king. Our position is to make the one above us successful. Promote. Promotion comes from God. My wife and I, a couple of weekends when we did the funeral down in Dallas, that morning we went to, of course stayed in a hotel and they have one of these places where you get these little snack breakfasts and we just got a hot roll and a cup of coffee. But I noticed a little Hispanic couple, they were there, had two kids. They sat on the table and all these tables were being used and and uh, i watched them that little lady made sure those children took care of that table and when she got up and left she went over to the these bottles you know what have you i've never seen so much sanitation lotion in my whole life the last year i'm telling you gallons buck (laughs) it's it's unbelievable she went over and got a paper towel took that sanitary lotion or what do you call it thing? I don't know what it is. Water, I don't know what it is. What is it? Solution, that's a good word. Sanitation solution. She put on that epic, she went over and cleaned that whole table off, put everybody that trash in the trash. And I went, I looked around at the other tables. Nobody else did that. And I thought I would sure like to tell her, I appreciate that. We got up ready to leave. You know what my wife did? You you learn well. No, I'm kidding you. (laughs) My wife got up and sanitized that table. And we were a little late because I had to check out and I went finally there. We came to the elevators and there was that couple with those two kids. And I said, I want to thank you. You made my day, you influenced my life you not only clean that table up, you show those children that life's not always about us. That we're thinking about somebody else because somebody's coming behind us. Ladies and gentlemen, that value system is missing greatly in the fabric of the American life. And I loved it and I wanted to be sure and tell them so. The third thing, lesson is the faithfulness. Number four is to be tactful. The wise use of wisdom. An understanding of people, an understanding of human nature is important. Number five, ask wise questions. Number six, make diligent preparations. Nehemiah had done his homework. Seventhly, be prepared to take decisive action. Generation 2021. 20, I want us to pray, Lord, as believers, I have purpose. I know you want to use my life I want to amount to something besides existence, having been here and gone. Lord, I want to leave a legacy. I want to accomplish something out of action that the vision that you gave me. I want us to pray for four things this morning. I want us to say, God, help me with direction for my life, my family, my kids, my wife, my husband. I want us to ask for wisdom. I want us to ask for understanding, which is the right use of knowledge which means you have wisdom, understanding, and favor. God gave this man favor in high places. Have many of you know that we need these things in our lives today. Will you stand with me? Will you just in your own way pray? But I wanna lead us in this prayer. Father, It just seems like we are pulled in so many directions. God, today to make decisions, and Lord, in so much that vies for our hearing and our attention and the pressures and the demands and time, Lord, I don't know of any time where I've seen the people of this particular day be so demanded. God, give us direction. God, give us the direction that really counts. Lord, let us be anointed, Father, to know the mind of the Lord. I pray for every man in this building, every husband, every dad, every granddad. Lord, those that have that responsibility, I pray, God, you give us direction. Lord, I pray you give us, secondly, wisdom not only men, but Lord, give wisdom to moms and grandmothers, Lord, young women, Lord, may it come from above because we ask for it in prayer, that we may fulfill the purpose, Lord, that by our direction knowing we have confidence and a purpose and wisdom, Lord, we might be a good witness, not not just given to every emergency, And Lord, I ask for understanding the wisdom you give us, Lord, the knowledge that we understand how to appropriate it in our lives. And Lord, I'm gonna ask you to give us favor. I ask every parent, Lord, to receive favor from their children. Lord, every wife favor for her husband. Every husband favor for his wife. Favor, Lord, on the job like Nehemiah. Lord, just give us wisdom, direction, favor, Lord, where we work. May we be a catalyst there, Father. Lord, when perhaps arguments break out among the people, Lord, let us be a stable comforter, a stabilizer. Lord, let us be that catalyst, God, that changes that. Favor, Lord. Favor. Yes, Lord, with the employer. Yes, Lord, with our fellow laborers. Favor God in the kingdom. For Father, it's a vision and it's a purpose. It's time we take the action so that our lives can be a true witness in a very late hour. And I thank you for it. I bless you for it. I receive it for myself and everyone under the sound of my voice. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you prayed that prayer with me this morning? I will tell you that I have wrestled with this message greatly because it's not nearly as inspirational as I like to be, but I want to be practical with us. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a life to live that is so needed we need to know how to have victory in our own life so we can share it with somebody else amen i just pray god would give you favor and give you the things we prayed for and let it be something that is tangible not just theoretical but tangible i believe god deals with us on the body soul and spirit amen